When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Blue White Breakdown, MIs, Penn State Podcast, Daily Podcast. This is the Bob Flounders Greg Pickle Tuesday edition. Greg, happy holidays to you, your wife, most importantly, Lola. James Franklin just met with the media. Uh, it's Michigan week. Rather, rather tough times, I think, for the Penn State program. Never been 0 5 before. They've been playing football since the 1800s, so uh, that tells you all you need to know about this season. They're going, Greg, to Michigan, noon kick on Saturday. James has had some good teams. They've gotten wiped out in Ann Arbor. There's no crowd, and Michigan is struggling two, at two and three. But, Greg, just your thoughts on, on James's mood. I know uh, he was asked at the start whether he felt like he was losing the team. Uh, what did you think of his response? Yeah, I mean, he didn't necessarily answer the question, I don't think. Like, in a roundabout way, he seemed to feel like the way they play hard at the end of games and give themselves it gives themselves a chance to at least keep it close and maybe for to come back to temp, which, of course, hasn't happened yet this year, is something to build on. But, yeah, I don't know. We didn't learn much from James Franklin uh, this week, which, at this point, I'm really not sure how much there is to learn from him. You know, they're 0-5. The problems they have are incredibly apparent they're going to use both quarterbacks because they don't feel like they have one who actually is the starting quarterback so at this point Bob I don't think that there was a great deal of expectation that we were going to learn a ton new uh, from James Franklin's news conference one thing that didn't come up was that Trent Gordon the safety former corner apparently in the transfer portal so I don't know if that's going to be the start of a trend or not but yeah, when it just comes down to it, Bob, they they are who they are at 0-5. It's a deserved 0-5 at this point. And there's not a lot of easy solutions or quick fixes for this group this year. That's just the truth of the matter. So uh, he continuously said they're going to try and do whatever they can to get this thing back on track. Obviously, that will be easier said than done moving into Michigan week because while the Wolverines have had their own problems this year, they also seemingly have found a new quarterback. I guess I guess Penn State will learn. We will learn just how good is it. What Cade McNamara is that the name? Yep. Uh, he he's the guy that sparked into a triple overtime rally at Rutgers on Saturday Saturday night. Yeah, Greg. So you know, let's just talk about a couple of things. We'll talk about James, but we're, we'll also talk a little bit about this game. For the audience, we're going to try. Dave Jones and I are going to try and do one. Normally, we talk. On Thursday, obviously that's Turkey Day. The plan, as Greg and I discuss Penn State now, is for Dave and I to do one maybe uh, tomorrow, and we'll try and get that out to you guys later in the week. We'll see. Fingers crossed. But Greg, I just I just want to. Penn State's zero and five. Um, they just lost by twenty to Iowa. They've given up a lot of points in every game, and Michigan opened as a four point favorite, and now they are down. The money is moving. In Penn State's direction, it's like two or two and a half. We're both surprised by that. Yeah, 
So you are predicting my Wednesday story for the morning. One of the things that we're covering, one of the notes is why that is going on. And I got some notes out to some people to try and hopefully get an explanation. I don't, for the life of me, understand it. Um, I don't think people really want to lay points with Michigan at home right now, Bob. But I certainly don't think anyone wants to back Penn State either. So uh, it's a real catch-22. I'm not sure why anybody would want to be involved in this game, let alone the folks who typically bet early and know what they're doing. Maybe they saw something from Penn State in the Iowa game that we did not. I mean, you've said now a couple of times that they're 0-5, and it sounds more preposterous each time you say it because when we started uh, this extended offseason way back after the Cotton Bowl, I mean, I know a lot has changed since then. No Micah Parsons, Journey Brown, Noah Kane. They've had some guys missing uh, either for a couple of weeks or last week. I mean, this is not the same roster necessarily that we saw in the Cotton Bowl. But, you know, that doesn't really change the fact that, again, the pro- the biggest issue is it's the same mistakes every week. And when I had a chance to rewatch the Iowa game, that's what really kind of blew me away was that it's just the same stuff. I mean, they there's costly turnovers endlessly and they drop a chance for the you know to create their own turnovers the run game cannot get going tackling's a problem I, I mean it just it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense and that's why you know again when you look at this game and you see the money come in on Penn State it just makes you wonder if there's somebody out from Michigan that maybe the public at large does not know about or what's going on because I can't fathom otherwise why this line would be getting driven down Greg, why on earth did you punish yourself and decide to rewatch the Iowa game? I know, I know that you had uh, some other things going on on Saturday, but I mean, I, I just feel like that's cruel and unusual punishment for a Penn State beat reporter. I'm glad that you did. Let's talk about some of the things that are just really, really hurting Penn State. The obvious one is turnover margin at minus nine. Uh, I, by my count, there's only two teams. In FBS, and there's 127 FBS teams, two teams with worse turnover margins. Louisville is one, and Duke is another. Michigan State's also at minus nine, but that's a lot of teams. And Penn State's right at the bottom. You know, Sean Clifford's thrown, I believe, eight interceptions tied for the Big Ten lead. Will Levis and Sean Clifford have combined to lose five fumbles. Not only are they turning the ball over, Greg, when they do, uh, the other team is scoring with the turnovers. You mentioned the Iowa game. Jaquan Brisker, I believe, dropped an interception in that game. It might have helped Penn State. They turned it over four times, two picks uh, and two fumbles. Levis lost both fumbles. Uh, Sean Clifford threw, threw a pair of interceptions. The other thing, Greg, that I, I think that is, is I've really surfaced, it even started in, in the Indiana game. Usually in a game when Penn State is still kind of in it, their short yardage offense does not get the job done. Like whether it's third and one, fourth and one, third and two, empty possessions that they should be able to convert. Um, they're not doing it. They did it against Iowa a couple times in the second quarter when Iowa went on a 21-0 run. Um, it's just, and I guess that led to a question about Kirk Shiraka today, what James thought about the job he did. How much of this blame, Greg, maybe goes on Shiraka? And how much of it, you know, Players got to execute. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the question I was getting at with James Franklin, and he didn't, you know, he's not going to throw anybody under the bus. I thought we might get a little bit more out of him. But, yeah, I mean, that's the question at this point. I mean, you can blame the players all you want, and they need to execute better, and you're not going to get an argument on that topic from anyone. At the same time, you can't tell me that 
Kirk Shiraka's plans working right now or that Brent Price plan is working right now. I mean, it's not just the drops. It's not just the mistakes. It's not just the turnovers. I mean, they're just not able, whether it's like you said, the short yardage, whether it's stopping other teams. And I know the defense has been put into some pretty unfair spots because of these turnovers, but they're not exactly a steel curtain when they're in a good spot. So, you know, I think that's been a part of the the problem this year. And yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if it was just the whole uh, the whole idea of doing things over Zoom for so long and not doing them in person. I mean, there's other teams that have new offenses and veteran defensive coordinators or vice versa who seemingly have handled mm-hmm. this much better than than Penn State has. And I don't know if we'll ever truly know why uh, this Penn State team has struggled the way that it has. Again, you can't rule out the guys that they're missing. There's like a large amount of talent not playing for this team this year, but they still have recruited well in a lot of different areas. And the more you look at this roster, Bob, I think it got it gives you pause for future years because where do you yeah. see the the tremendous uptick in talent coming from, or where do you see the talent that we thought they had executing better or being put in a better spot? I, I just don't know if I see that this year. Yeah, you mentioned some of the guys that Penn State has been without this year. It started obviously with Micah Parsons. The really tough news for Journey Brown, who not only is his Penn State career over, his his football career is over due to a, a heart issue, but it's, you know, it's something, though, I think that he can live with. And that's really the good news, the fact that they caught that. Noah Kane gets hurt on the first series of the Indiana game, and he was, I think, going to be somebody that could have really helped this offense, especially Greg in short yardage. You know, Pat Fryermuth now, uh, season-ending surgery, did not play against Iowa. He's going to now have a chance with Micah to get ready for the NFL draft. But it's, it's, it goes beyond that, uh, Greg. And this is another reason why I'm confounded by this Michigan-Penn State betting line because I don't know if Devin Ford is going to play against Michigan. He left, uh, he left the Iowa game after the first drive. I think uh, Joe Hermit got a shot of him kind of leaving the field and going into the locker room. Greg, if he doesn't go – they got two true freshman running backs and they got running quarterbacks and that's kind of it. And also Greg, you know, talking about guys that maybe uh, are now trying to kind of focus on the next chapter in their football life. Uh, we have not seen Tariq Castro fields for the last two games. I think, you know, they were very high on his ability to play cornerback when he was healthy this year. He started off, I thought pretty strong. He looked good in warmups uh, in the Iowa game, but he did not play. I don't know if they're going to have him. It's, you know, Minnesota, uh, Michigan can run it and they can throw it. So they don't have him after Joey Porter. It's Marquise Wilson. And then, you know, then you're looking at maybe using safeties and coverage. Keaton Ellis, I guess, is another cornerback they can use. But, Greg, they are short on uh, on firepower on the offensive and defensive side. I just don't know what this team's going to look like Saturday or, you know, you know down the line against Rutgers and, uh, and Michigan State. Yeah, you nailed it, Bob. I mean, I think the list that James Franklin rattled off after the game was pretty extensive. You mentioned Castro Fields again, dresses but does not play. Devin Ford taken out early. And I was just looking at Joe Herman's photos. I mean, there were a lot of guys banged up throughout that game, and most of them finished it. But, you know, Brandon Smith at one point, I believe, was dinged up. Jaquan Brisker at one point was banged up. They were without Zach Koontz for the second week in a row because he didn't travel to Nebraska either. They were without couple other guys whose name exceed me at the moment but I mean yeah they were down some some pretty serious uh you know members that are too deep and then you compound that with all the guys that they're missing anyway and yeah you can 
you can see why there are issues and you can, again, and that's why it's one of the many reasons why this line doesn't make any sense. Unless those guys are all going to play, it still wouldn't make any sense. But yeah, at this point, Bob, you know, again, I don't know. Stop turning the ball over. That would be obviously number one in terms of Penn state's path to fixing this thing. But there's so many other glaring issues, be it with the offensive line or the defensive line. I mean, they got beat up at scrimmage pretty good against Iowa. Michigan's capable of doing that to you as well. Uh, the, yeah, the secondary is down, uh, you know, a, a few players, we think. So, yeah, you put it all together. And, uh, you know, again, I go back to January and think about what this team was supposed yeah. to look like, Bob. And it's not even remotely close to what uh, what we thought it was going to be. And they have not found a way to overcome that. Other teams, other programs, uh, this program in other years has found ways to make winning plays. They make losing plays. and doesn't seem to matter who's out there. So I guess we're about halfway through the blue-white breakdown, Bob. So listeners can like, rate, subscribe, leave their feedback wherever you get your audio, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And if you're looking for the video version, it's youtube.com slash State. And as you mentioned, Bob, Dave's back this week, both for the midweek podcast and the postgame show. So we've gotten to a lot in the first half of the show. We still got halfway to go. Uh, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on. One, though, Greg, is I thought our buddy Mark Brennan had an interesting question for James today. Penn State's 0-5. Their dreams of a winning season are out the window. The Big Ten title chase was decided after the Ohio State loss. They weren't going to be in that. They've been routed at home three straight times. And now we're in the middle of a pandemic. And if you're, you know, I guess the fans probably don't really care about this, but if you're a Penn State player, being up at campus, trying to practice, they're going to practice Thursday morning, not a lot to do up there. There's not a lot, I don't think, to play for. And you're unsure about the pandemic and programs are getting shut down and not practicing. You just don't know what's going to happen on a day-to-day basis. If you were a Penn State player, I would have to think this is, I don't know if it could be a more difficult time to try and finish and get a win. It just seems like, Greg, the deck, once they lost to Iowa, the deck just seems like it's very stacked against this team, even maybe to get one win. Maybe they can beat Michigan State. I just don't have a good feeling. I was dumb enough to pick them to beat Iowa, so lesson learned there. But they just look like it, – it just looks like there's not a lot of joy in State College right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just it. You know, you don't see a lot of emotion on the sidelines for four quarters. You don't see a lot of anger when things are going right. You see a little bit of celebration when things are going well, but then it kind of weighs on everyone about, I think, from the outside looking in, I think that even when things go well, there's a clear understanding that so many other things aren't, that I think it's hard to be happy and excited and wound up and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, when you put it all together, Bob, it just looks like this is a group that it hasn't quit on the season, I don't think. But certainly you could not blame any players for getting to that point, I don't think. I mean, they're going through, and I understand that they're provided with an education and all that stuff, but let's be honest, they're going through some of the stringent, most stringent COVID protocols, especially for people their age, anyone around, and they're not getting paid yeah. to do it, and they're own 5 and they're away from their family, and you know, James Franklin's saying when they go to Michigan that they're going to have to 
uh, do their walkthrough in state college because the way the Michigan coronavirus mitigation policies are, you can't have that many people together in one ballroom or one field or what have you. So you have that problem. Yeah, you put all of it together and uh, it, it just, you're right. I think you have a good way of putting it. There, just, there doesn't seem to be a lot of happiness in state college and there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, joy. And I mean, at 0 and 5, there shouldn't be. But, you know, at the same time, you can only imagine how difficult it must be to get ramped yeah. up for game day and for practice each week, just knowing where the chips are at this point in the season. Well, all right, let's wrap. We're not going to wrap it up, but it's the blue-white breakdown uh, with Bob Flounders and Greg Pickle. Once they lost to Iowa, Greg, the dreaded, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, the dreaded B-word is now being thrown around just so people, because I think it's on, the, it's on the minds, I think, of some of the fans, the word buyout. James Owen 5, but Greg, he just signed really an extension recently. It's a pretty, pretty staggering sum of money. If In a worst-case scenario, Penn State goes 1-7 and seven or 0-8. Oh I still think they've got to play a ninth game. I don't know how that's going to look. I don't think they're allowed to play Nebraska because they've played them in season. So I don't know who they would draw for a ninth game. But, Greg, just if, the, if they're 1-7 and seven or 0-8 oh in a regular season, they play that Champions game, they lose that, they go to 0-9. Oh like, how... How does the fan base stomach that? And how do you, how does Penn State and James Franklin spin spin it forward positively? Because, you know, you look at how they're recruiting for future classes. You look at the returning talent. They clearly have an issue at quarterback, and that's not going away. So as ugly as it is right now at 0-5, Greg, would you agree it has a chance to get a lot uglier if they don't find a way to win a game or two? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it, but you're right to the point of the buyout. You know, it's a lot of money. And if you get rid of the coach, you're not just, in all, in all likelihood, you're not just incurring his buyout, but all of the assistant coaches' buyouts for those that have them. So you run into that problem, and the math really works against you under normal circumstances, and it certainly does now uh, in the middle of this uh, pandemic when the Penn State Football yeah. and Athletic Department is already looking at a major revenue shortfall this year. So. I mean, that is a challenge in and of its own. So I have a hard time thinking Penn State's going to be buying out James Franklin, buying out his coordinator, no matter how bad it gets. I just don't – I do not see that as being a realistic possibility this year. Who knows? In three weeks, if things go really, really south over the next three weeks, maybe. But I think Sandy Barber – and again, you know, I mean, the the problem here is not so – I mean, why would anyone agree to such a hefty buyout in the first place? I mean, this is – I mean, it's athletic directors, and I understand that if you think you had a good coach and you want to keep him, that maybe you're more willing to do this. And that's not to say James Franklin's not a good coach and not worth keeping moving forward. But you would think that these athletic directors at some point would learn that they have to stay away from these massive buyouts where you're paying coaches potentially five or six or seven or eight or even ten times as much as the person you hire to replace them to not coach for you. So. And I'm sure that James Franklin's not going to go sit idle for a year. So I'm sure Penn State would probably recoup some money if it did end up getting to that point. I just don't think that it will. I, I don't see it being a prudent financial choice for Penn State. So the your question, how do they spin it forward? I mean, they just have to, you know, James Franklin was asked last week, how do you recruit during all this? I mean, what is the message? And he said that it's the truth and it's honesty. And I'm sure they get into some more details behind the scenes about this guy not doing this or that or the other thing or whatever. And maybe some recruits are comforted by hearing that. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, 
it's a tough pill to swallow for Penn State fans, and it's a tough story and season to sell and spin for the Penn State coaching staff and recruiting. But much like they have to find a way to do something yeah. better on the field, they got to find a way to keep recruiting well, too, because yeah. you don't fix your problems without them. Correct. Correct. One other, one other thing I just wanted to get to, you just try and think from a fan's perspective, you know, it's, it's just been considering what the expectations were, and considering where they are now. The reality is they, other than the Indiana game, they pretty much, they had an outside shot to force overtime in Nebraska. Those turnovers, 0-5 is pretty much the other team has made the plays. Penn State has not made the plays, even in the games that they could have maybe won or, or extended. But when, when James has – James the last couple of weeks, I don't know if you've noticed this, but he keeps hearkening back to what the program did between 2016 and 2019. And, I, Greg, I don't know if you're a fan, if that's enough to kind of hold on to. If you're a fan and you see them going through a season where they could potentially be winless or maybe win one game, and you look at the schedule next year and you look at the roster and who's leaving and who's not available – and you look at the assistant coaches, you know, if you're a fan, I think you're not just looking at this year, but you're looking at 2021 and maybe even 2022 and wondering, you know, what, are the, what is this team going to look like? I mean, who's coming through that door that's going to get them to the point where they can kind of stay within striking distance of somebody like Ohio State, who has two five-star quarterbacks in future recruiting classes ready to sign up once Justin Fields leaves. It just seems like, maybe focus more on the present and the future and and just don't keep bringing up the past success because I think we live in a world where people just don't want to hang on to that anymore. They want to know it's, it's why people follow recruiting, Greg, they want to know about the future. They want to know about, you know, what's going to be fixed in the present. And it just seems like there's not a lot of answers and it's, there's a lot of looking back at what they've done and not what they need to do. Yeah, I was kind of taken aback by that, too. You know, the first couple of times, which that was probably first mentioned three weeks ago, perhaps it was only two weeks ago, but it's been a little bit recently that James Franklin's been going down this path of, yeah, think of what we did. You know, Brent Pry has coached some really good defenses over eight years, nine years, however long they've been together going back to Vanderbilt. And that they've played good football at Penn State. They've played good offense at Penn State. And I get what he's saying, basically, that give us time. We have the track record to fix this. We have the track record to be better than we are. And that's fine. But to your point, you look at the roster, you look at the rest of the Big Ten, you look at their future schedules as they currently stand, and you're just thinking to yourself, man, every you know, to win in this league in this day and age, you have to have a quarterback that you can count on, not just to not turn the ball. I mean, they can't even get a guy who can't, you know, who's capable yeah. of not turning right. the ball over, let alone changing the game in the running game and the pass game and everything else. So you know, you look at that and say, okay, how's that going to be fixed? Maybe Christian Ballou is the answer, but I don't think you can wait until Bo Cabrillo until t- in 2022, you know, to try and fix that. Those so, are both, those you know, are both, that aren't they both three-star guys or are they four-star guys? They are both four-star guys, yep. But, you know, I mean, it, they have some talent on the roster at that position, but here's the thing. It looked like at one point that Penn State may have had two caliber FBS starting quarterbacks in Clifford and Levis, and now it's hard to say after yeah. five weeks that either of those guys is really in that conversation. So, yeah, you're right. There's been a lot of looking back by James Franklin of late and not enough about what they can do to fix this thing now and in the next year because, you know, again, you might get a chunk of the fan base that says, you know what, this was a crazy year. We lost all these guys. Mulligan, you're not getting that next year. Yeah, and I I 
Dave Jones and I have talked about it. I mean, if you're zero and eight, it's tough to give a. You know, if you go three and five, and you and you and five, and five of those games you lost, you could have won some of those games. You can you can point to some positivity there, but when you lose all the players that you've lost and you get skunked at home in three games, you know that they, they're probably fortunate that fans aren't allowed. You know, at Beaver Stadium, because how? I mean, I can't imagine what the howling would have been like at the Iowa game in the second half when that final pick six and, you know, Michigan state, the Michigan state game to close out the season. If, you know, Greg, if they're zero and seven, like, I don't know that you want fans in the stands because they're not, they are not going to be happy. And you just have to wonder how do they stop the bleeding? Will they stop the bleeding? Do they have the pieces in place to stop the bleeding? And Greg, even if like you said, they go just say one and seven, oh, and eight, I don't know what they do in that championship game. And you know you you are you are right. Look, James Franklin is going to be back. I, I even even if it's if, if it's super dire, but even if he's back, there's going to be some coaches that aren't back because you just cannot, Greg. You can't bring the whole staff back if you win one game. You just can't do it. I mean, someone someone's going to have to go. So it's going to be another season, I think, of transition. He brought in four assistants after largely after 2019. It look I would have to think. You know, no matter what, it's, there's going to be some turnover again, and you just wonder who they're going to get to come here. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just it. They have a very good class of 2022 at this point. Obviously, that's important. But again, if you go when you go, uh, whatever they're going to go, which is the best case at this point, is what four and five, <laughs> I guess, which that's not going to happen. But yeah. that would be the best case. But you know, when you had the success they have, and now you get to this point, I mean, the problem is, is that the arc was pointing up, and now it's crashed suddenly back down to earth. And I'm not sure it's going to go back up as quickly as fans wanted to. Could it? Sure. Um, but you're right. I mean, you're looking at an off season of change again. I think both the coaching staff and the roster is going to see some turnover and some change. So, I mean, you're looking at another season where in-person meetings are going to be tough and working out as a team and going to dinner as a team, at least initially in 2021 are going to be tough. And we've heard James Franklin talk about these problems endlessly. Like they're ones that are impacting things on the field. I'm sure to no extent they are, but at the same time, Bob, you know, there's a lot of other things impacting this team right now too on the field. And there just aren't enough solutions or answers or otherwise at this point for those. All right. I think we've done our duty. I think the blue white breakdown is about to conclude with Bob Flounders, me, and Greg Pickle, him. Real quick, Greg, I know you're going to have a great Thanksgiving. Is Lola allowed to have turkey, or are you pretty strict with her as far as celebrating during the holidays? Because, you know, she's she's a good-sized golden retriever, and I'm sure I'm sure you're watching her figure for her. And she will be a, probably a little bit larger after Thanksgiving, because, <laughs> yes, Bob, she finds a way to uh, I'm glad to hear up. So, all right, well, you will talk to the Penn State fans before Thanksgiving. I will not, so happy Thanksgiving yep. to all of you. Bob, we will catch up All right, soon. see you.